Hello and welcome to the 7th episode of the Fiscal Yogi podcast. My name is Anis Rao. I'm a certified financial planner and in this episode I'm going to be talking about Punjab and Maharashtra Bank. That's the cooperative bank which has gone under sanctions and has been the subject of a lot of terrible news over the past couple of weeks. So we're going to be talking about what happens to depositors, to people who have taken loans from this bank and also what you should do in the future to better safeguard your money. Stay tuned. Let's first get a handle on what happened with the PMC bank right so Punjab and Maharashtra bank it's a cooperative bank it's one of the top 5 urban cooperative banks in the country so it's not a small bank and the RBI clamped down on its operations after receiving a letter from a whistleblower on the September of the, on the 17th of September so when it clamped down on its operations what it basically said is you can't accept any further deposits you can't uh, give out money under loans you can't do any regular banking operations until we tell you to do so at the time they uh, told depositors that you can only take out 1000 rupees of whatever money you have with the bank and later that uh, limit was increased to 10000 rupees thankfully for the depositors on the 1st of october that's uh, two days before i am recording this more bad news came out uh, this time basically uh, saying that there was a lot of bad loans issues with uh, with pmc bank pmc bank had total deposits of about 11600 crores meaning that people like you and me had put in deposits in that place which could be fixed deposits recurring deposits or just money in the savings bank accounts current accounts uh, and so on so all of these added up to 11600 crores now out of these small depositors formed the bulk of the deposits at 63% they had a total loan book of 8900 crores so lesser than the number of deposits that they taken so for every rupee that you had uh, deposited in the bank about 90 rupees uh, 90 paisa out of it would have been given out as loans now when the scandal broke it was initially understood that its exposure to hdil which is housing development infrastructure limited it's a company which has been going through some rough times on its own and most banks who've given loans to hdil have been have have been told to designate it as an npa as a non performing asset meaning that the loan that they've made to this company is not going to come back so like i said initially it was from its books it was clear that they had loaned only 2000 crores to hdil so nobody was really sure what the entire fuss was about because if it's only 2000 crores that is going bad out of 11000 crores is generally not a problem in the banking sector like you can figure out ways of solving that problem but as news broke out on the 1st of october that that uh, loan amount to hdil was much higher as high as 6500 crores and uh, in such a situation effectively half your deposits had gone bad out of 13000 crores or 11800 crores which uh, the de- the bank had accepted deposits for more than half that money was given to hdil and since hdil was a non performing asset and the fact that the bank had kind of hidden this fact from the rbi and from the auditors until this time and obviously from the depositors until this time and the rbi had to put sanctions on the bank meaning that the bank had to stop all commercial activities until they could figure out what to do with this bank so i had a bunch of questions when this crisis broke and i'm sure you have too so let's try and answer some of those questions one by one first what happens to depositors monies in such cases let's say you were a small depositor and you accumulated your life savings of let's say 10 lakh rupees 
in this uh, bank and you've, you've got it in the form of uh, fixed deposits and now the bank has been told that you cannot give back your depositors money. So right now, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you're a depositor, you can take up to 10,000 rupees out of your bank account. That is what the RBI has allowed you. But you can take actually up to 1 lakh rupees out of your account thanks to something called the Deposit Insurance and Credit Guarantee Corporation. So this is an insurance scheme which all banks are required to subscribe to. Uh, the only caveat with this insurance is that you don't get all of your money back. You get up to rupees 1 lakh. So whatever be your deposit account amount, if it was 50,000 rupees, you will get back 50,000 rupees. If you have deposited 1 lakh rupees, you will get back 1 lakh rupees. But anything over and above 1 lakh, like if you had 1 lakh and 10,000 rupees, you would still get 1 lakh. If you had 20 lakh rupees, you would still get 1 lakh. So that is how it would it would work for uh, if, if you were a depositor with PMC Bank. The good news about this uh, insurance bit is that 1 lakh rupees in any particular bank is all considered as one bank account but each account holder or each individual can have multiple accounts in multiple banks and each bank therefore has a 1 lakh rupees limit so if you had let's say 12 lakh rupees and you didn't want to lose a single rupee to uh, a bank failure you could open 12 different bank accounts and keep 1 lakh rupees each in each of these accounts and then you would have the entire benefit of the deposit insurance that is guaranteed by the government but again, think about it, as you grow uh, wealthier, you will have more money which you will not be able to spread out over these kinds of bank accounts. So that will become an unwieldy problem at that point of time. Also, in theory, your bank deposits are covered, but in practice, your uh, resolution process may take as long as six months or even longer. So if you're a depositor, you're going to be sitting waiting for your money for quite a long time. Next, let's come to a not a very commonly asked question what happens to people who have taken loans from the pmc bank so by doing the sanctions business they've actually made the problem worse for themselves yes granted that out of their total loan book of 8000 and something cr about 6000 something cr was given to hdil so that was the bulk of their loans but now what's going to happen is that even those 2000 cr loans that they've given to other entities perhaps small businessmen traders uh, MSME kind of enterprises and so on. Now all of that money also cannot come back because they can't even pay their EMIs on time. Remember the banking operations are shut. So they've actually made the NPA problem worse for themselves because yes HDIL was an NPA which they had not recognized in their books. On top of that the remaining 2000 CR also which is a part of their loan book has now effectively gone NPA because if you are a, low, a borrower from this bank you will think twice before actually going to pay back the money. You're going to say that, look, this bank is anyhow dead. Why should I even bother paying back the money? Coming to a couple of broader questions. What are cooperative banks anyway? Are they safe? And which banks can you trust? So let's take the, each of these one by one. So a cooperative bank in theory are our own version of the famous Grameen Bank from Bangladesh. In fact, our cooperative banks have a much longer history compared to Grameen Bank. I came across this very interesting story of the founder of Syndicate Bank, Dr. TMA Pai, who I won't go into the details here, but he basically started, he was a doctor and he started off a bank in Manipal. And his first clientele were fisherwomen who could only deposit as little as 25 paisa at a time. And he accepted those deposits. Whereas no, the normal banking system would not have accepted such small deposits. 
So this was the entire advantage of the cooperative banking system that it was essentially smaller than the regular banking system. So it could make concessions for the its clientele in a better sense. Like if, if you were a, fisher, a fisherman or a fisherwoman who could only spare 25 paisa at a time, you would maybe have your money coming in every day unlike people who in the cities would have a regular salary. So these kinds of concessions would be made by a cooperative bank and they would accept your 25 paisa deposit. He realized that there was a massive malnutrition problem in the village that he was living in. So he told the fisherwoman that you buy a cow, I will loan you the money and instead of taking your EMIs on return, I will actually take back the milk that your cow produces. So you have to, you can take the milk that you need to give your household and the rest of the milk I will take. I will form a cooperative, I will sell the milk and from that I will recover the money which I loaned you for buying the cow. So this kind of concessions that uh, Syndicate Bank founder had made back in the day, I think this must have been at least a 80 or 100 year old story. So in theory, this is what a cooperative bank should work like. It should be more helpful for both its creditors and its debitors and in the process do decent business for itself. It would work on a no profit, no loss kind of system. So there again, you would have some benefits for the members of the bank. But in actuality, we see that the safety levels offered by the cooperative banks are much lower compared to national nationalized banks. Uh, we see a lot of politicians who know, own cooperative banks. So there's a lot of arm twisting that happens because of this uh, nexus that is there between the politicians and the fact that they own cooperative banks. And also they've always made sure that the rules are not very strictly applied to cooperative banks. So regulations are not followed, they are just merely observed. And uh, even the RBI doesn't get a strong say in uh, the regulation and the auditing of these banks on a regular basis. So this is perhaps why a lot of cooperative banks have failed over the years. This is not the first time that uh, you've seen a cooperative bank fail. And uh, maybe it's, this won't be the last either. So which banks can you trust though? The easy answer is that banks that have a lot of customers and who a lot of customers trust. Maybe you can check up the news. You can follow the news to make sure that there are no NPA problems or not major NPA problems in the bank that you choose to bank with. Generally large banks or the nationalized banks are more trustworthy than the cooperative banks. That said, I must remind you that nothing is absolutely riskless. And uh, banking is essentially a relationship of trust. So you as a, as a depositor are trusting that the bank will go and find good borrowers to whom they will loan the money and the borrowers will return the money that the bank has loaned them and therefore your deposits are safe. So if this trust relationship holds, you should continue with that bank. But if you find that uh, there are NPAs, for example, non-performing assets, you should consider getting out of that bank. Like I said though, nothing is riskless. So the only way that you can actually protect yourself is diversify. One, across banks and two, across asset classes. You can diversify across banks because like I said at the beginning of the episode, your insurance, the deposit insurance that you have, that is one lakh rupees per bank account per bank. So in, you can, if you have a bank in let's say SBI and in ICICI, you have more insurance than if you have all your money in SBI. And the other thing is across asset classes. So I haven't talked about asset classes yet on my podcast, but uh, the major asset classes that you can invest in in India are equity, debt, commodities and real estate. 
those are very very broadly speaking i will get into this in much more detail in the future episode but those are across the broadly the asset classes that you have we see a lot of people who invested most of money of their money in the debt portion so all your fixed deposits are essentially debt and then you are if there is a systematic problem in uh, the debt portion of your uh, of the market of the economy since all of your money is invested in debt you will see a greater problem than if you had diversified so finally a quick uh, takeaway from this episode uh, what can you do in to safeguard your money number 1 diversify across banks and across asset classes don't assume that your bank deposits are risk free or riskless monitor your bank's npa rate and monitor the news to make sure that anything nothing dangerous is happening in the world of your bank and finally do not be enticed by cooperative banks or nbfcs for a half a percent or a 1% extra rate of return in the long run it is not going to make a lot of difference to you and what you really should be focusing on is diversification So that was episode 7 of the Fiscal Yogi podcast on PMC Bank. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for all the support that many of you have given through me through Twitter or through directly contacting me. Please keep that feedback coming in. You can tweet me at Fiscal Yogi F I S C A L Y O G I. You can drop me an email at hello@fiscalyogi.com. and i will be happy to answer your questions anchor also has a very cool function where you can record a voice message so you can head on over to anchor.fm/anis-rao a n w e s hyphen r a o and record a voice message you don't need to download any app for that and you can send me uh, your question from the app and i can take it up in a future episode also do rate us five stars on apple podcast or wherever you found your podcast Thank you very much for listening once again and I'll talk to you next week.